Have you all seen those Southwest Airlines commercials where they say, hey, do you want to get away? I think Brian wants to get away. (laughs) What's the key? What's the one? D flat. When you hit D flat, it gets stuck. Okay. Okay. Remember that. Remember that. Thank you, Brian. Well, it's, it's Lent, and in and th- and this um, season of Lent, we're going to spend our Sunday mornings um, taking a peek at, at Jesus' calendar. How did he spend his last week on earth before he died? Well, last Sunday, we looked at how on, 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 on the Monday of the week that he died, Jesus went into the temple, and he cleared out all the non-spiritual things that were happening there. And we talked about how you know, what, what areas in our life do we need Jesus to clean out? Well, today we're looking at what Jesus did on Tuesday of the week that he died. Well, on Tuesday of the week that Jesus died, he and his disciples are back in Jerusalem. And Jesus spends most of the day doing teaching. He was teaching uh, both his disciples and large groups on lots of different issues related to his message for the world. If you look in, in the Gospels, right before his arrest uh, in every Gospel, he, there's a lot of red text if you have a red-letter Bible because it's all Jesus teaching. And that's what we have in our, in our passage today. In our scripture passage that Sean just read, Jesus is, is telling his disciples a story about a business owner and three of his employees. But before we, we dig into what's going on here, I, I want to do something a little bit participatory, okay? I want you to finish this sentence. I'm, I'm about to say a famous sentence, and I want you all to finish it, okay? You ready? All right. With great power comes... Y'all know you're Spider-Man. That's what Spider-Man's Uncle Ben said to him. That's what he said to Peter Parker. With great power comes great responsibility. But what Marvel Comics didn't tell you, and maybe Uncle Ben knew this, I don't know, he was paraphrasing Jesus in Matthew 25, 29, which is part of the story in our passage today. So here's, here's kind of a paraphrase of Jesus' story. A boss is leaving town. He's going to be gone for a while. So he has a meeting with with his three employees. And he gives each of them some money to invest. Since he won't be around to do the investing himself. Like all good employers, he knows his workers well. And he knows that they have different abilities in working with money. So he gives his top worker five talents, his middle manager two talents, and his entry-level worker one talent. Now what in the world is a talent? Well, a talent was a unit of weight, about 75 pounds. So he probably gave his employees you know, 75 pounds worth of silver, for example. That would be one talent of silver. And if it is silver, that's a lot of money. I checked the the rates on Friday, and 75 pounds of silver would be about $20,000. That's just one talent of silver. So imagine the boss having this meeting, and he's handed out these hundreds of pounds of silver to his employees. 
And his boss may have said, well, you all know what to do. I'm in the business of making money, so go make some money for me while I'm gone. So the top employee ran out, and he made some business deals, invested the money, and he doubled his silver. So he now had 10 talents worth of silver. That's a lot of money. The second employee, it took him a little longer because he wasn't as experienced as the first, but he doubled his two talents of silver. Then there's this entry-level employee with the one talent of silver. And he starts thinking to himself, you know, I'm the low guy around here. If I invest this 75 pounds of silver and if I lose it, man, I'm going to get fired. I can't lose the boss's money. I'm going to play it safe. I'm I'm just not going to do anything crazy. You know, I think I'll lock it up. Jesus' story, he buries it. You might say, you know, I'm going to put it in my safe. Because then when the boss comes back, I can say, look, I didn't lose a dime. Here's everything you had. I didn't want to take any risks because it was your money, not mine. That's what I'll tell the boss when he gets back. Well, after being gone a long time, the boss finally comes back. And his top employee shows him how he invested the five talents of silver and doubled his money. Excellent, the boss said. You're getting a promotion. Congratulations. Well, the middle manager comes in and he shows his boss how he took the two talents and doubled them. Fantastic, the boss said. You're getting a promotion too. Congratulations. Finally, this entry-level worker approached. He was nervous, but he had a whole speech prepared. You know, isn't that what you do when you're nervous? You've got to talk to the boss. You, you prepare a speech so you don't embarrass yourself. So he comes in. He says, sir, when you gave me that one talent of silver, I was nervous because I know you're a shrewd businessman, and I don't know a lot about investments, and I didn't want to take any chances. I didn't want to mess it up. So I locked away all that silver, and I didn't want to get lost or stolen. And see, here it is. I protected it for you. Well, the boss was furious. You did what? You lazy bum. Now, that wasn't in Jesus' story. I just, I just kind of threw that in. You lazy bum. All you had to do was take the money, put it in a savings account. You would get half of a percent, but at least I'd earn a little bit more. A couple bucks, maybe. You didn't even do that. And the man's fired, and his money was given to the top investor, the top worker to invest. And in Jesus' story, in this parable that he tells, the boss in the story actually gives us the meaning or the moral to the story. And it's what Uncle Ben paraphrased to Peter Parker in Marvel Comics. It's in verse 29. This is what the boss says, to those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. See, I think it's significant that Jesus waited to tell this story until shortly before he was crucified. And the scriptures say that he told this story to his disciples only, not to the crowds. 
just to the disciples. Because you see, after his death and resurrection and after he ascended into heaven, the disciples wouldn't see him anymore. He was going to be like that boss that was gone. He, He would be out of their sight. And the growth of the church depended on them. They were going to be left in the world to represent Jesus to others and to carry on his work. And then one day, unexpectedly, these disciples would stand before Jesus, either when he came back to earth or when they stood before him in heaven, and they would have to give an account of their work. You see, just as the boss in Jesus' story knew his workers well, and just as he entrusted them with different amounts of money to invest, Jesus knew his disciples well. They would each have varying amounts of responsibility in this new movement in the world. And listen, as disciples of Jesus ourselves, the same is true for us. We're entrusted with the work of the church until Jesus comes or calls. That's what he expects us to do. That word talent that we know as our skills and our gifts, now that word actually comes from the same word talent that we see in this parable of Jesus. It's the same root word. So if you think of the word talent in this story, When it comes to our gifts, our talents, changes the way that we look at this parable of Jesus, doesn't it? It may not be money that we invest for God, but we invest our gifts, our talents, our skills that God has given us. See, it doesn't matter what role you have here in this church. As long as you do what God has called you to do in a way that furthers the work of Christ in the world is all that matters. All that matters is that you serve your master, Jesus, with 100% of everything that you have. So think about your life. Think about the things that you do, the things that you can do well, not on your own, but the way that God has gifted you. How are you using those in the world? It doesn't matter if you're the chairperson or the church council, if you're a Sunday school teacher or the person who sharpens the pencils in the pews. You know, those don't sharpen themselves, by the way. Are you giving all that you have regardless of your service in the church? Maybe God has given you a gift. Maybe you're good at doing something. But you're not sure that you want to use it. It's like, yeah, I can teach, but if I volunteer to teach, I'll never get out of it. Maybe you're like that entry-level worker who said, you know, I'll just give back to the boss what he gave me. I'm not going to show anything with it. I'll come to worship a couple times a month. Keep my faith to myself with my friends and my co-workers. Just be a good Christian citizen. That's what I'm going to do. See, when God formed each one of us, 
He placed within us gifts and talents and skills. We didn't give those things to ourselves, just like those employees in the story. The boss gave them the silver. God gives you skills and gifts and talents. And what's significant is is not whether or not we use them. What's significant is for whom do we use them? Are we using them for God or maybe we're just using them to better our own lives? The good news is that it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. If you feel like your role in this church is to warm the spot in the pew where you're sitting, I encourage you to find an additional way to serve God. Let me ask you a question. Is there anybody in here that can make a phone call? Anybody here know how to use a phone? Yeah? Anybody here know how to write? Hopefully. If not, let's talk. Is there anybody here that lives in a house or an apartment that has an address? Yeah, probably most of us here. Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you know what? You can help us contact first-time worship visitors who might even be your neighbors. You can give them a call. You can write them a note. We'll even pay for the postage. You can use those skills God has given you. Is there anybody here in this room know how to smile? Let me look. Yeah, there's some good smiles. Guess what? You've just qualified yourself to be a greeter on Sunday morning. Congratulations. Has God blessed you financially? How are you using those resources? See, maybe you're like that entry-level worker in the story and that you just want to play it safe. You know, don't take any chances. Don't take any risks in life. Bad things might happen when you take risks. Churches can be that way. Seems that the larger the church, the less inclined it is to take risks of any kind. Because there's a bigger risk there. I mean, oh my goodness, you do something out of the ordinary, bigger chance for failure. Yet, look at the risk that this church took last year when we invited Camp in the City to come, and all the costs that were involved in the homes to, to house the staff and finding kids to actually get them to come. What if it didn't work? Yet we stepped out in faith and look how God blessed it. The older I get, the more I realize that life is too short not to take risks for God. Notice that the two workers in this story that Jesus told, the ones that had the most to lose are the ones that took the biggest calculated risks. 
if the earliest Christians, the first generation, the disciples left on earth after Jesus ascended to heaven, if they played it safe, the chances are pretty high that the Christian movement wouldn't have lasted very long. And none of us would be here. If the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, didn't take risks, there probably wouldn't have been a people called Methodist all around the world. Why are we afraid to take risks for God? Maybe it's the culture we live in. Play it safe. Maybe it's what, what, what we hear at work. You know, companies have a risk management department, but there's no such department in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we operate by faith in Jesus Christ to guide us. In the kingdom of God, we operate by each person using the gifts, skills, and talents that God has given them to ensure that we're being faithful as a church. Each person using his or her gifts, not in their own strength, not in their own power, not in their own abilities, but through the Holy Spirit. When we do that, we're making sure that we continue to be a movement in the world, not just another organized religion, but a movement. See, it's this combination that makes it possible for us to take risks in the name of Jesus, not for our purposes, but for his, because he's worth it. See, one of Jesus' final teachings to his followers before he died is about them using the gifts God has given them to further the mission of Jesus in the world. And it's the same message for us today. God has given you gifts and talents and skills to achieve his purposes right here in central Kentucky, right here in this church. And I pray that you'll use them well because Jesus is counting on us just as the boss in that story was counting on his employees. God's counting on us. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, we'll be faithful. Let's pray.